The holidays can come with a lot of excitement, but also a lot of pressure. If you're hosting friends or family in the coming weeks, you know there are a lot of moving pieces that come with holiday feasts and food. That's why I'm talking to Elizabeth Kerr, a Waterloo alum and chef. For years, Elizabeth was a passionate home cook, exploring different cultures and flavors on her own time. But in 2020, she decided to go professional and entered a culinary program. Today, she works in professional kitchens, at local top restaurants, and at a culinary school while maintaining her home cooking passion. She joins me to share tips to make your holiday food more special and less stressful. Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Megan. Yeah, well, it's great to have you here. And I, for one, have already um, learned a lot from you just in the conversation we had prior to this. <laughs> and something that I loved about that conversation was that when I asked you how to plan a menu, you began to answer with just some very sage advice, I think. You said that before diving into the food, we need to understand our limitations. Can you tell me a little more about what limitations we might want to consider? Yes, I sure will, Megan. You know, I I thought about our conversation and I think I think a better word than limitations is we have to understand our resources. And when I say we have to understand our resources, we have to know how much time we have to prepare this feast. We have to know how much money we have to to create a budget for the feast coming up or for the feasts coming up. And we also this year, I think, really have to understand what our food resources are going to be. I don't know about you, Megan, but I've been to the grocery store where I was unable to buy lettuce, for instance, or it was $15 for, you know, a small amount of romaine lettuce. So we have to take all of that into consideration. And I'll tell you why. Because at the end of the day, when you are charged or you volunteer to put together a gathering that involves a meal, you owe it to yourself to be happy when your first guests arrive. Sure, you may be a bit behind, you may be a bit tired, but you deserve, as well as every other guest coming to your home or to your office, wherever it is, to enjoy yourself. And so by knowing your limitations, or as I'm saying now, understanding your resources of you know, time, money, and actual product, you can ensure that you put together a plan that's reasonable, affordable, and delicious, and that you'll enjoy yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's such a, a great um, starting point because, I mean, if if you are stressed out, it's going to make whatever gathering you're having um, less enjoyable. And maybe not just for you, maybe also for your guests. You know, they people can tell when others are, are feeling a bit stressed. Um, and it's always better when we all can just get together and be merry, right? Yes, yes. You know, one of the things that I learned while attending chef school was that um, you plan. There is an expression in every professional kitchen. It is mise en place, and it translates, translates to everything in place. And so that means that you are 
organized, but you're organized within the constraints of the time you have and the energy you have. And you, you owe that to your guests and you owe that to yourself. I think uh, last time we spoke, Megan, I may have overshared and told you about when I was younger, <laughs> how I planned elaborate meals and ran around and yelled and cried and was totally exhausted by the time anyone showed up. That's no way to participate in any kind of celebration. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that experience is one that many others have had as as well. And I, as someone who uh, has only just started um, hosting family gatherings like uh, like our holiday meal, uh, it it is a little bit stressful. It's a lot more work than you realize. So yes. let's talk about let's talk about the menu a little bit. You said that you tend to organize your menu into three or four courses. Can you break down each of the courses for me? And also, how do you select dishes that work together? Sure, I can answer both those questions. Okay, so first off, I'm going to tell you that when I'm planning a three or four course meal, understanding the constraints under which I'm working, I usually forego appetizers. Um, as soon as you decide that you're going to do a three or four course meal, you really don't have a lot of time to be taking on apps. So just, you know, either buy them and serve them or just, just you know, don't put them out. So as far as those four courses go, I like to plan a menu that flows or builds on each course. And so what I thought I'd do today is just describe a holiday meal coming up for us. It happens to be a four-course meal, and I think it will um, explain to everyone how I do it. So this meal started, and in fact, I'm not making all of it. It started because my 35-year-old daughter makes delicious bolognese sauce, and I just happen to love making fresh pasta. And so she said to me, Mom, we're all getting together. Her brother, Matthew, and Emily haven't had my bolognese, and I'd really like to have that as part of the meal. And I said to her, well, that's, that's great. Thank you. That would be wonderful. So we decided that for this meal, that would actually be our main course. Now, if it was a dinner party, maybe I would make a different choice as to where that was positioned. But for this meal, family only, knowing that they probably want to have lots of it, I decided, yeah, we'll keep that as the main. So how am I going to build around that entree, that main course? And so I guess I'd say to everyone, pick you know, there's usually a starting point with a menu. There's something you want to include in that menu. And that is your starting point to build around. So back to this meal, we've got Allie, my daughter's bolognese, and my pasta. So that's fine. That's a lovely course. Well, I decided that there's a bit of an Italian theme there. And we, decide, we decided while we were on a family vacation that, well, we noted, we all love clam chowder. Mm, I said, that's festive, that's nice. Not Italian now. So what did I do? I went on the internet and I thought, okay, how can I stylize a chowder to give it um, a taste, uh, you know, uh, 
a palette of tastes that will complement something that is coming up. And what was coming up was that bolognese. And so it was a really easy switch in my mind. We've come up with a seafood chowder that uses pancetta rather than bacon and has a nice amount of wine in it. And so it will be a, a white cream-based uh, fish chowder, but it will have that Italian influence. So it's going to complement the flavors coming up. Now between that bit of chowder and that lovely bowl of bolognese, we decided we would put in a simple salad. A salad can go either before your main course or it could even go after. It's just a nice way to sort of settle your palate but open it up for what's about to come. Keeping in mind that we've got a bit of an Italian uh, Italian-American flair going on, we decided to do a, a take on a Caesar salad. And so we will, we will use romaine, we will use some lovely Parmesan, we will make a delicious dressing, and yeah, there will be a few surprises on it. It won't be a large salad, and I've decided I'll, I'll plate it individually just because, for me, I like to make sure that the food is pretty when it goes out. <laughs> right. So now we've got... We, what's that? I said, right, of course you need to make sure it's all pretty because you're a chef. <laughs> well, well, you know what? I mean, we... We tend to see food and smell food before we taste food. Also, many, many, many moons ago when I was choosing everyday dishes and good dishes, I only got around to choosing plain white plates. So I need to make sure the food looks really pretty because there's nothing else to look at when I put it on the plate. <laughs> now, we've missed a course. Once we're finished our main course, I'm going to do something fun that I think really sort of ups the dining experience. I'm going to make a green apple granita. And I'm not sure if everyone knows what that is, but it's really easy to do. What you do is um, you juice some apples and then you put that juice on a tray and you let it freeze. And once it's frozen, you scrape it off with a fork. And it's a bit like a, a sherbet, if you will, but it's a lovely palate cleanser. And then you just, you know, take it by the spoonful and put it in a little bowl. So that'll just be a nice way after that really rich bolognese to, you know, um, clear the palate, as I said. And then, of course, we have dessert. And I've been all over the map with dessert. Oh, gosh, I thought I would make tiramisu. I thought I would make creme brulee. I thought I'd make creme caramel. I thought I'd flavor them, make them different. And in the end, I really thought about who was sitting around the dinner table. And aside from me, most of them don't have a sweet tooth. And so I've settled on a dessert board. I mean, everyone is familiar with charcuterie boards. And what I'm doing is using that vehicle, for lack of a better word, that vessel, that board, um, to 
to basically give everyone a chance to have a tiny bit of something after their meal. So on my, on my dessert board, I'll have cookies that I've baked. I'll have some warm chocolate syrup, maybe some homemade marshmallows, some nuts, obviously some fruit, that some that's been poached, some that's just washed and presented, and then a bit of dried fruit. And I think, I think to appease Allie, who made the bolognese, I'm going to go to the local cheese shop and get a really nice uh, piece of cheese because she loves nothing better after a meal than a bit of cheese and fruit. So that's oh, that sounds wonderful. our meal coming up. Now, I don't know that I've answered the questions, but I, I try to by taking you on a bit of a journey. No, I think that you did answer the questions um, through that example. So um, you have... You know, you you have your opening course. Uh, you explained how the salad uh, opens up your palate for the for the next item, um, and, and you really took us through how all of these things are going to work together. And I love that you are working with uh, like kind of a theme overall with your dish, which is, you know, the Italian flavors. So I th I think it's a great template that people can use and uh, and. I think add or even take away a little bit if they wanted something uh, even simpler than that. I also love the idea of the dessert board because it, it feels to me like you can just put it out and that's your serving. Like you don't have to do anything else, um, like cut anything or, or add whipped cream. So let, let's say that um, you have, I have my menu set, but I think, you know, I really... I really want to amp up the wow factor here. I want to impress my friends or family. Do you have some simple ways that we could do that? Hmm. Well, yes, I do. I have a few ideas. And thank goodness for the internet. I would encourage everyone to, <laughs> when they want to see how something is plated in a different way than they are used to plating it, all you have to do is remember these two words, elegant, plated, and then whatever it is, whatever kind of food it is you want, you just type it in. And I'm not kidding you. You could probably, and I haven't tried this, so maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but you could probably <laughs> Google elegant, plated Rice Krispie squares, and it would show you a different way of plating. My point is, is that if you really think towards the end, which is plating whatever you've cooked, um, you know, it doesn't end up just sloppy or, um, oh, that's not a nice word. I take that back, but it doesn't end <laughs> up over portioned. So you don't end up with too much on your plate. And generally, you'll think about color. You know, fresh herbs could be started now at home, or you can buy mm -hmm. them in the grocery store. And fresh herbs on anything make it look very pretty. It's just that pop of color. Um, actually, yeah, just sprinkling it on, on top at the end. Yes, yes. You know, a little bit of flat Italian parsley just uh, washed ahead of time and rolled in paper towels or a tea towel and put in the fridge. It's ready to go. Golly, you can get a lot of mileage from that. You know, you can take just a little bit of it and 
and just carefully put it in a, almost like a little ball itself and put it on top. And it's, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And isn't that lovely, a lovely way to add a bit of color. And easy, so easy. Yeah, and good for you too. I mean, eat that yeah. it's good uh, for you. A win, win, win. Exactly. <laughs> you can do the same thing. Um, people in urban centers have great access uh, to grocers with microgreens. That's another way. A garnish on a plate of food, I guess is what I'm trying to say, is going to elevate the visual effect of what you're presenting. I also right. mentioned keeping your portions in mind. Don't overfill your plate. And mm -hmm. manage, manage if you're using sauces, manage how you distribute them. Um, you know, there everyone everyone spills, everyone has things go where they don't mean it to go. And so clean your plates before you put them out. A nice clean plate that is served warm. Another trick to really elevate the dining experience, warm your plates. You know, it makes mm -hmm. a huge difference. Oh, that's interesting. I, I've never thought about warming my plates ahead of time, but that really uh, brings a restaurant factor. <laughs> yes, it does. And, and trust me, that is a warm plate is you know, standard in, in a, a fine restaurant. And I think at home, it's, it's luxurious. It's lovely. Don't, don't leave them in a 400 oven. Don't do that. But just, you know, after you've taken things out of the oven, you can set your oven uh, quite low, just on warm or turn it off and just put the plates in and, and they'll be lovely and warm. Yeah. Oh, that's, those are all really well, those are all really great. And I think very easy ways uh, for us to whatever meal uh, we're making really impress people um, or make, like you said, make the meal feel really luxurious for our guests. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, and you kind of answered this uh, a little bit earlier, but, you know, some family and, and friend groups not... Uh, don't um, they, they opt to collaborate on a meal. So they have multiple people bringing dishes. And you said that your daughter is, is bringing the sauce for uh, the main course of this meal. Are there, are there any other, um, are there any other tips that you can offer to keep a meal organized when people are bringing dishes without being too controlling about it? Well, What's wrong with control? <laughs> I mean, that just means you're a good planner, doesn't it? You know, yeah. I, boy, we could talk a long time about, um, I mean, we can call them potluck dinners. I, you know, I, I often remember my mom going to a church dinner and she she was going out the door while we were just sitting down for dinner. And to take to her potluck dinner, she had made tuna casserole, which my dad, brother, and I absolutely despised and could not believe that she would take it out of the house. But we were so relieved she was. Anyway, she came home a few hours earlier or later, pardon me, with her casserole from her potluck dinner untouched. I was the cheeky one in the family. And I said, I guess no one even liked it before they looked at it, you know, when they looked at it, mom. And she said, no, Elizabeth, everyone brought tuna casserole. 
Oh, (laughs) (laughs) so, so I think a little bit of planning and control is a good thing. You know, there are, there are dinner clubs where the host um, picks the, plans the entire menu and hands out recipes. I think in between my mom's experience and that experience lies beautiful harmony. I think you should have an idea as a hostess and you should have a plan as to what you want the meal to look like. I do not think that there is anything wrong with asking someone to bring, um, you know, uh, a, a green vegetable rather mm. than just saying vegetables. If you don't want corn to show up at your dinner, then be specific. You can say, bring a green vegetable, bring a green vegetable casserole, please bring a green salad, please, you know, whatever it is you want, ask for it. Perhaps don't give them the recipe. They may ask for a recipe, which is great. Also, do yourself a favor and give some guidelines as to how much work needs to be done um, with what shows up. I once hosted a potluck dinner and more, more than a couple of people showed up with grocery bags full of ingredients. They were ready to cook. And that doesn't seem to me to be a good plan for a potluck dinner. Also, I would say if you are hosting, you should probably choose the most um, complicated or the, um, the item that is longest to make and keep it for your own. That probably is easiest. Although, You know, I've heard of families where grandma shows up with grandpa and they pop the trunk of the car and there's a roasted turkey there. So anything goes. But you know what? Control it as much as you want. Uh, I love that story (laughs) about uh, control or... Uh, and whether or not it's a, a bad thing. I think you've convinced me that it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, Elizabeth, thank you so much for, for all of these tips and walking us through how you have um, planned one of your menus. I think that uh, I know I have found it really helpful to talk through these things with you, and I think others will too. Great. It was really wonderful to chat with you, Megan. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, follow, subscribe, whatever your podcast player lets you do. And if you want to meet more fellow alumni, follow us on social media. There are links to all of our pages in this episode description. It's a great way to find more content, perks, and events for UWaterloo alumni around the world. UWaterloo alumni podcasts are produced and hosted by me, Meg Vanderwood. All episodes are edited by Aju Chow. Aju and I are both alumni and staff at the University of Waterloo.